State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival, and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yep, yep, get old boys is back and reloaded. All in your mouth, yeah, now deep throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded, the disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it, we speak the truth, so they quote it. Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast, it's the GB not we keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping. And once the beat drops in, by then the system is so corrupt, they throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. It's GB. Don't get it twisted, on code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is in the building. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys. Reloaded. Reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, Donnell Rollins. I just want to start by saying... <laughs> The level of disrespect in this room. <laughs> the level. Are the, you fucking serious? Can I? Can I? <laughs> let me. I know. I knew this was going to happen. The level of disrespect in this room is unfair. First off, I was supposed to be doing this podcast on an earlier slot. I got bumped. They said we taking them whenever we can take them. I come. I'm on time. You not even here. You show up an hour and a half late. Willie in the bathroom doing makeup or whatever you do to get ready too, for a long time. At first I thought he was doing, you know, but I was like, no, bathroom still fresh. He in there fixing his collar. And I realized that I got invited to a show filled with metrosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you make your transition, sir. Yeah. It's a lot of things people don't know about you, right? <laughs> right? I'm and leaving. you would never share this. And I knew that it would be a platform where I could... People did not know that you regularly get manis and petties. Regularly. That's a good thing, right? I don't know. The image that he gave me was like 
only time we do pedicures if our shoes are our feet exposed, just dragging your nails on the concrete. That's not. <laughs> I don't know. I, That's I, how I, I thought real men get pedicures. But he, I, your feet, wait, must, look, your, your your feet must be fucked up. No, no, go ahead. No, he doesn't feel uncomfortable when the cotton balls in between his toes. It's a level of discomfort. <laughs> He feels comfortable <laughs> with the cotton balls. He get the grace, the the the, the cucumber shit, all that type of stuff. I ain't and never people, had no cucumbers on my ass. Come on, man. The time we were in Vegas. That's not true. The time we I'm were allergic Vegas, to cucumbers. That shit have closed my throat up. You allergic to street shit too, son. <laughs> you threw the top of it. Yo, when the last time you did some gangster shit, son? When I first went to this show in Vegas, I met this motherfucker, right? And I'm telling all my friends, I'm like, nigga, y'all don't even know who I'm about to hang out with. We about to do some shit. We gonna knock a nigga out with something we gonna do. <laughs> that represents ghetto boys, right? I ain't got no gun, but I got a little ass, like one of them like Swiss army knives in case it go down, right? And I'm like, we're going to smoke, we're going to drink. I get in the car, I light a joint. This motherfucker almost jumped out the goddamn car. <laughs> Nigga, I was on pro- following federal probation, man. I didn't man. know, but his look on his face was like, the fuck are you doing? He said, drop him <laughs> off. I dropped him off to get him petty in the manny. And he'd been metrosexual, metrosexual every, ever since then. Now, do you get manny petties? Not, not, I mean, not, not as often as he does. Like, he got... It's a rotation. Monday, M- Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah, my shit is when somebody say something. I know it's improper to. It's, a, it's, it's, it's important to groom yourself. But you say when somebody say something. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, mani- manicures, manicures look good and everything, and, and so does pedicures. But pedicures are more necessary, in my opinion, because you know you have you get lint and stuff like that. You know, trapped between your toes and all that kind of stuff. So, well, you t- what you basically lint, tell everybody is and all that kind of stuff. You are, you a man? You lotion your entire body. No, I don't lotion my entire. No. Just, but, I, but, but I do. But I, I just, do take care of myself. I get you know? that, with like because I, I I know that you know Ashy Ashy Larry Ashy Larry Ashy Larry Ashy Larry is a good character, right. but in real life, women don't like Ashy men. Women like women like women like to feel a strong, you know, clean, you know, man. Also, you know, well, women, women like that. They women, like that, but who they want to like fuck? That. They want to fucking ash your Nah, I don't think so. Yes, they do. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the one of just came home, Timberland niggas and kneecaps ashy and shit. Yeah, I, I okay. understand what you said. No, no, I, I think I think women 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 do women do like roughnecks. You know, I'm a roughneck myself. You know right. what I'm saying? I know how to switch gears, but women also like a refined man. You know what I'm saying? Women like men that can switch gears and be able to move in different rooms. I I seen his transition, his even even his laugh change, really. You think his laugh? Yo, he used to laugh. Ha ha! You know how the nigga laughed? He he laughed like a light skinned nigga. Ah, and just point at you when he laugh. Ah, stop, stop, stop. He take pictures and he, and he put like he, he ain't put, laughing with you, he no, laughing at you. Actually, yeah. yeah. And he when he's when he take pictures now, he 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 bend his leg. You know how you bend your leg on the wall? He bend his leg. You're a changed man, but I think that's a good look. He crosses his leg also. Yeah, he, he crosses his leg like this. I don't know if you can see it. He crosses his leg and then he make his toe twiddle. When you do your toe like that, that's the next level. I think he got that from Barack. I see Barack be doing that. Yeah, that's you, it. You got that from Barack. I love Barack Obama. I say, did you get that? that I got, I got a whole lot thing. of shit from him. That's my <laughs> guy. Moving the food. Him, on the other hand, I got a chance to check out his show again mm-hmm. last night. And I got to say, man, he is probably the most funniest motherfucker off the rip. Like, spontaneously funny, man. We had, he, we he had a, yeah, we had I agree. A, we had a roast off 
in the dressing room. No, we didn't have a roast off. You tried to take advantage of me because everybody was excited to meet you. So you used that popularity and used your legend to go against me. And you had a small audience of four people in the green room, and you was happy as shit. I heard you say, I told you I could do that shit, but I ain't really on that lane, right? Until I told you, I said, I'll let you have your audience in the green room. When I go on stage, I'm going to tear your ass up. That's what I said. To which you came back in the green room three minutes before I performed and said, you know I ain't really mean nothing about that. You know, I ain't really no comedian, but uh, I was like, no, 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 no. Let's take it to the goddamn stage. And I had a ball. Word, he I had lit a ball. Your ass up. I had a ball. In fact, I don't know if you want to do this as a bonus. I had that set recorded, and I'm gonna tell them to cut that piece out there, and I'm and I and I want you to have it. So anytime you try to, so you really me, think you got me that good? What? <laughs> I know I got you good because you was quiet. You wasn't talking the same shit out there <laughs> as you did in the green room. <laughs> I was looking for you, son. You ain't laugh. All I saw was some eyeballs in the in the background. <laughs> And, I, and, then the, and then he was sitting right beside his son, too, so that even gave me more pleasure. Oh, my God. It was a good time, though. Man, let's, oh, let's man. take it back to D.C., man, when it all started. You were born in D.C. You grew up, you, you, were you born in D.C.? I was born in D.C. And uh, you grew up in Virginia, right? Alexandria, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. right. Now, how was that experience, and how old were you before you moved to Virginia? When I moved to Virginia, I was, um, we stopping or something? No. What? I'm trying to get that light off your forehead. That shit right. hitting me hard, bro. But go ahead. Well, I was born in Washington, D.C. <laughs> My father moved us uh, from D.C. to Alexandria when I was 12. 11 okay. or 12 years old. And that was because he had so many baby mothers. He didn't want everybody in the same city, right? We thought we was moving on up. He was like, no, y'all gonna get the fuck away from me with these other baby mothers. So <clears throat> moved to Alexandria, then went to my like grade well, elementary, high school, was in Alexandria, and then um, after Alexandria, I went to the Air Force at the age of 17. No shit. Four years in the Air Force. I was a military police officer, which nobody uh, can understand that. And my father was like a, a, a lifetime heroin kingpin, if you want to say. So for me to choose a job as a, pol a police officer, I, I kind of like disrespected him and his whole culture. <laughs> he was like, out of all those jobs you can have, you choose to be a motherfucking police officer. So I never got the respect with his friends that he wanted. But that was my story. Uh, four years Air Force got out. I was waiting to be a DC police officer. <clears throat> I took the psychological exam. It was just one other process I was waiting for. And during that time, I was like head of security for this grocery chain in DC, Safeway. No shit. Yeah, I was head of security. I took my job, loss prevention, took my job serious. I made myself a colonel. Just got some colonel wings to put up there. Um, if you go to my grocery store, aisles 12 to 26, no crime. <laughs> crime free, sir. Yo, from the Tylenol to the snakes, no crime, sir. From the Tylenol to the snakes. Yeah, those were the high priority. You don't know this about uh, grocery language. That was like high priority in, in regard to things. Did they have more stole. than one guard? In, in yeah, the I had so, so, you had so you had 12 to what? I was 12 to 26, 26 I remember. 26, and the yeah. other guy had 11. He had now. 1 to uh, 11. <laughs> right. And then, and that's what it is. We we had sections. You right. know what I mean? We took it serious. I used to be on the radio talking police shit, Roger, 10-4. I got one going down 12. I got one out 12, out 12, pinto beans, out 12, out 12. And then I would snatch them up. Somebody was stealing pinto beans? They stole everything. Niggas yeah. were stealing steaks. I mean, watch that motherfucker. <laughs> So this motherfucker <laughs> was staked out. He had stakes all in his belt. The motherfucker had a stake in his hat, right? And he was, because they always, when they steal, they act like they're going to buy something, right? They got $300 worth of shit on them. 
And they're like, yeah, I'm going to get this Snicker bar real quick. And then you could see, like, blood from the steak pack <laughs> coming down the side of his face. We thought he fucking tried to kill himself. But <clears throat> waiting for that, waiting to be a D.C. police officer. And there's a good friend of mine, friend of mine to this day, Mike Washington. He used to work for uh, the Hostess Cupcake Company, right? He was a delivery guy. So he would he was a comedian at night. So he would go to the grocery stores and pass us free tickets. Yo, you know, because he wanted to pack the room. You know that shit. It's like bring some people in, we cut, break you off. Mm-hmm. And I started going to the comedy club, and I was heckling. I would, I would heckle comedians. I was notorious. I was, I was <laughs> destroying motherfuckers. And I had no idea about business, right? I tried to get a door deal from the club owner, and I never told a joke in my life. I said, look, because people really started coming to hear me heckle. I put into the side, I said, look, man, um, looks like I increased your business by 30% over over a month. It's time for you know me to get a percentage of the door. He looked at me like, if you don't get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> but anything, most of the time, a heckler is somebody that wants to be a comedian, but don't have the balls to do it. They want to stay in their lane. They want to entertain Thanksgiving, like Brad. You know what I'm saying? Like family members. Like he he thought he was doing something because his son was laughing at his jokes. I was like, that nigga love you, nigga. <laughs> if you can't get your son to laugh, he just gave you a kidney, nigga. What you think you're going to do? Right? And, um, damn, what would I, I say? Um, so I would, uh, it's a, a heckler, somebody that doesn't have the balls to do it. And usually a club owner was like, well, why don't you go up there? They usually shut you up. So they invited me to go on stage. And I did get scared the first time. I was like, fuck that, I ain't gonna do it. And I, uh, two weeks later, went on stage. First time I ever touched a microphone, I got a standing ovation. And it was the first time in my life where I said, this is what I'm gonna be doing for the rest of my life. I, I was like, the whole police shit is over. I instantly fell in, fell in love with it and never looked back in 27 years. I've still been powering everything in my life from telling jokes. Let's go back to the grocery store. You mentioned you mentioned niggas would be stealing stuff. Clarify who are niggas? Um, niggas, and I don't mean this in a, in a derogatory way. I'm using the same way. You know, you probably mentioned people. it in, a, in a song or whatever. I mean, and it was niggas, not niggers. Right, niggas. It was niggas, niggas that steal. When you say, but when you say niggas, are you talking about? Are you saying talking about black people? You talking about white people, Mexican, anybody? Just anybody, everybody. everybody. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And, and, and t- I don't. So, see, the yeah. thing is, I don't associate the word nigga with any race. There you go. There you, you know? go. This, and everything there you is go. context. Okay. okay, right. It's right. like my man. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I got you. Because uh, reason why I asked that because I, I remember when I was when I was in the big house, uh, th- that was uh, this guy, this white guy who uh, you know I was cool with him. You know, we were sitting there watching televisions at the, at the table, and. Um, I, and table. I said, yeah, at the TV table, right? And I said, uh, I said something to the effect of that nigga, right? And he 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 started like l- intensely looking at the television, like he was like, I, I don't see any black people up there. Right. And I said, I say, I'm talking about the white dude. I right. say, yeah, nigga could be anybody, man. Exactly. I said, nigga's attitude, you, you know, it's, it's characterization. It's, so it's, it's not a person. It's, it's not. not it's not ethnicity. It's funny you said nigga's that. Nigga's a noun. Person, place, a thing. It is. Yeah. And, and and that's so true because January 6th last year, right, when I turned the motherfucking TV on Seen and watched what was going on uh, on the Capitol, I was like, these niggas out of control. Right. I felt so, I grabbed popcorn. I was like, this is what I'm talking about. I want y'all to see them the way y'all think y'all see us. You know? uh, but you know, any any word is context. 
people get exactly. caught up. That's right. It's contest. And we it's were talking contest. earlier about the word bitch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's highly offensive if you don't use it in the right context. You tell a woman, like, I see you a boss bitch. Love it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You see me working. You a bad bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Love she it. doing it. But if you if you do it, bitch, like, <laughs> in, a, in a Bruno Mars song. In a Bruno, yeah. <laughs> Which you, you, you're playing that song. What's the name of that song that you're playing uh, on Smoking your IG right now? Smoking Out the Window. Yeah. And he actually, I thought somebody had substituted the word bitch. Right. He actually used the word bitch in the song. Yes. And, and there's no outcry. It's not because they know the frustration <laughs> of that woman that they're talking about. He ain't saying. You uh, mean the frustration of the man? Of, of the man, yeah. Who, he not saying, yeah. bitch, you take a good care of my son. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? It's like that frustration. Yo, the frustration of a man that's pretty much doing everything for a woman. You know what I'm saying? Making sure she's okay or whatever. And then she still <laughs> belongs to the street. I don't right. give a fuck. Anybody watching this, you're going to be like, bitch. You know, it's, it's, it's a contest. It's the contest. Especially when the kids are running around your house like, like it's Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> like it's Chuck E. Cheese. And then man, I, I, that was a great I, song. But you know what? At the end of it, I respect the fact, because you know, when you go through a breakup, you know, the dishonest you always say, yeah, I want you to be, I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for your happiness. I'm rooting for your success. I want you to be happy. You say that out, but on the inside, you be like, boy, I hope this bitch fall off. <laughs> Oh, please fall off. When he said that line at the end, like, uh, uh, I wish you the best, but I hope you're walking around barefooted or something at the end. I was like, boom, <laughs> that's a button up on that song. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been in a relationship like that? Yeah, I think everybody has. When we thought we was, okay, here's the thing. If they for the street, they for the street. But you go through a phase of your life where you want to be Captain Save a Hole. You know what I'm saying? You think you're at a certain point and you're like, you're like this. You can look at somebody or, or see somebody, you're like, you know what, that person might be a little troubled. And it's only because they don't have the right person in their life. You know what I'm saying? You think, that's why I don't go to, like going to strip clubs and shit. Cause I'm the dude to be able to be like, yo, what do you really want to do with your life? They don't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? You feel like you want to save a motherfucker. I had this organization years ago. It was called uh, saveabitch.com, right? And the idea of it was, I said, a lot of women, certain age, right, they in the middle of dealing with temptation or salvation, right? Hmm. It's, a, it's a scale. It could go temptation or salvation, depending on who come in their life. Hmm. And that's how the scale is going to tilt. If it's the person coming in for redemption, or is the person going to help them out, it's that. But it might be that pimp motherfucker. It might be the person they want to use, you know. And I said, I want to, I want to, like, Educate women. The organization lasted two months. And the reason why, they don't want to be I tried to say it to me bitches at one time. Right? Well, maybe got, it was the name. You got to do it, huh? Maybe it was the name. You know what? I had that argument, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. And I talked to my mother about it because she got some folk. I said, what does your son talk about? She said, what we got to do is we got to give the acronym a different definition. Right. And I said, what, Ma? She said, bitch, being in total control of herself. Damn. And the reason dope. why people's like this, it's a very provocative word. The minute you hear it, you're like, oh, what is this all about? I could have had an organization called SaveAQueen.com. You know what I mean? Beautiful, beautifulwomen.com. All that. It wouldn't have been as engaging as bitch. Bitch is the 
is the is the uh, clickbait that oh. get you to call me in and then you see what I was trying to do and it, and it makes sense. Or at least I thought it made sense. But the company is now defunct and it no longer exists. Mm-hmm. You know what does the what does the what does it mean, again, bitch? My mom's being definition a, is being, being in control, control, control of herself. I love it. She was like, just reinvent the word. You put a different definition. I put I, uh, the, the word DILF. You know what DILF is, right? DILF is what I'm going through in my life. What is that? Daddy's. Daddy, dad, like, I like the fuck. You know, yeah. MILF was like popular. Yeah, but basically it's saying an older guy. Instead of saying moms, I like the F. My mom, I like the fuck. Yeah. Daddies are dudes. And But I switched in the acronym. I said DIF. Dad, uh, devoted, involved. Loving father. That's how I switched to DILF, and I'm pushing that. You look Dad devoted. I, I'm looking for dedicated, the dedicated, I'm, 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 involved, involved, loving okay. father. Dedicated, okay. involved, okay. loving okay. father. Gotcha. Like, Try to switch it up. Yeah. Because we get the rap, we get the bad rap. Black men especially yeah. get the bad rap when it comes to fatherhood. The only we get thing the bad get, rap for everything. For everything, but the one thing that they want to <laughs> promote is like, Debbie, this motherfucking shit. But I realize, I'm like, I'm saying to myself, like, what type of people you're around? Because everybody that I'm that, that's close to me, exactly, they dope ass fathers. Hey. I'm like, where are y'all finding Man, these motherfuckers? Again. Where y'all find it? Y'all put the energy. That's just in life. Period. We always put more energy on a negative than right. a positive. You so right. They get the most attention when it comes yeah. to cancel culture. Yeah, I give yeah. you an example. I know we could probably get to it sooner or later, but. I'll say, like, even my man Dave with the last special he did, the closer, right? If you take 100 people and you say, what do you think about that special? Probably I, I 95% it. of it, it. will right. love it. And 5% will say, get it out of here. And how does the 5% rule? They get the most attention. They get the God most attention. Damn. They scream the loudest. God they, get the, they, they, they get the most attention. And I even said it on my podcast the other day. I said, you know, Donnell I'm not, Rolling Show. Donnell Rolling Show. Show. I said, I'm not going to focus on those 5%. I want to focus on the people that want to see me, want to fuck with me, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, it takes people like Dave Chappelle, you know, that could come up and say, you know what? I'm taking control of my career. I'm empowering myself. How, whether y'all like it or not, this is my voice. This is the art that I do. And I can't let you water it down and let you control what I say. Stand-up comedy is about finding somebody's personality that you like, you engage with them, and you want to hear they take on the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the way they want to do that, you can't say this, you can't say that. So they want every comic to sound the same. And that's when stand-up comedy is going to be dead. Exactly. Man, tell, tell us about that uh, festival that you're doing at, at the Improv in Hollywood. Well, Netflix, Netflix is, yeah, ne- is the Netflix first time. Is Netflix is a joke. Years ago, maybe what like, is it? Netflix, Netflix is a, joke. It's is a, a comedy joke. festival. Netflix is a joke. Yeah, I mean, Netflix is talking a joke. about talking about talking about killers. It's everybody. Run well, it what, down. Run, run down that well, list. Well, what it is is like comedy festivals really became popular like 30, 35 years ago. Yeah. You had the Edinburgh uh, Comedy Festival, which was huge. It was a platform that you could break talent. And the one that was really uh, popular in the United States was the uh, uh, Montreal Comedy Festival. Yeah, that was Just for that, that was huge. huge. That was huge. It broke huge. so many times. That's yeah. where Dave Chappelle got his big break. So <clears throat> Netflix know 
And it makes sense. They're the hugest platforms when it comes to stand-up comedy right now. So they said, why don't we just, you know, instead of just we give these guys money for their special, why don't we, like, extend our brand, get out to more people, and let's do a festival. And I think the festival is over, like, six or seven days. God it's dang. different levels of performances. Like, anytime you go to big festivals, you get, like, a grand stage. You got, like, some arena shows, like uh, Gabriel Iglesias. He's doing Dodger Stadium. Then somebody's doing Staple. But then they got the smaller venues, like the comedy clubs, the theaters. But it's just a whole week of a stand-up comedy where you get where to see that? some of the biggest names it? in comedy. Oh, so it's a web of, of, of venues. <clears throat> yeah, it's like, oh, okay. yep, we, um, um, I'm doing a show. Dave was at the Hollywood Bowl. I'll probably Damn. do those two shows. I'm doing a show at the Improv. And then um, I think last year we were supposed to do the Mark Lawrence tour as a live Netflix um, recording. I don't know if you're going to do that, but if that happens, then I'll be a part of that too. But it's a yeah. good good place for people to see you. And I, I've talked to some comments like, well, the money isn't right or whatever. And I'm like, my, I've always been like this. I want to perform where the baddest people perform. If I got to take a hit on money sometimes just so I can say I'm playing in this league to let y'all know, you know, pound for pound, I'm on a nicer dude, I take advantage of that. A lot of people don't think that it's always the money, but it's a great platform. Um, it's getting, you heard about it, it's getting a lot of press and it should be good. Yeah, to get back, to get back, Dave Chappelle, Donnell, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, good. Uh, Seinfeld, Kevin good. Hart. Really good. Uh, Chris, Chris, um, Chris uh, Rock. Chris Rock. Yep. And the list goes on and on. You know, when I first uh, came across it, I thought that all you guys was going to be on one stage. <laughs> it would never work. It would be I murder. Like, it would be murder backstage. It be so many I was like, whoa. No shit. Was, you know what the biggest complaint I was already getting ready to book my ticket. For I was like, I'm, I will be there. And we You can about never it. do that. You know why? Too many egos. You could never. You Everybody say, why can't you put all the greats together? Because somebody could be like, who going first? We closing. Yeah. You know the diva effect, but and it's going to be. But the tickets you, have to be five thousand dollars a piece or something. I don't. Like I don't want to close. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to close behind nobody. No, I don't. <clears throat> I don't have an ego like that because I know in some towns, like if you call yourself closing behind me, you're going to be fucked. Yeah. No, this is this is what Brad does. Brad don't close because Brad is, understands that people get weary, even if they love you. Right. They get weary, and people got shit to do, especially if it's a late show. People might leave early. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so Brad is like, let me make sure I'm finna hit these motherfuckers while they at full throttle. Uh, I get that part. Hit them too. and get on up out of there, you know? Me, my, me on the other side of that, um, as a stand-up comic coming up, that's was like kind of your first test. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you follow somebody? And like, it was a, always an opportunity to have a defining moment. Like, you could be... Uh, like when I came up, they was I used to beat him up at the beginning, right? They were like, yeah, he's funny, but can he follow so-and-so? You know, and like you'll go like, and I'm talking about the big boys like Tony Woods, back then like uh, uh, Teddy Carpenter and everything. And I always I always thought it'd be a challenge. I'm like, I want to go behind that motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I want mm -hmm. the pressure of motherfuckers saying, you know, motherfucker, somebody eat a room up. They be like this. I don't know what that next motherfucker gonna right, do. Right, right, right. Well, he better do something. <laughs> yeah, so for like me, that. I never wanted a soft spot. Now this shit is so watered down, Willie. When you go to comedy club, they trying to do a lineup on what they think that person is gonna do or what their reputation is. Well, he can't follow him. You don't know. You don't know until you do it. Mm -hmm. And then no better feeling when you go up there. I'm talking about when somebody like Teddy Carpenter back then, he was a dude, nobody wanted to go behind him. 
right? I'm like, fuck it. I want to go behind him. I want to go behind anybody. You're going to notice that this young boy is coming up. And when, when you think that crowd is right here, and then you're like, there's nothing else, pop, and take it up. Take it up another notch. At what point did you open for, well, at what point did, did you come after a comedian that was the headliner, the guy that everybody came to see, you wrecked it, and somebody said, man, you should have been the headliner. It happens. And it, at what point? I'm talking about when it first in happened. In my career? Or in, just in your it, career, when it first happened. It's, uh, be quite honest, man, and this is not being cocky, this is all true. For the most part, almost my entire career. You know, like... But what's that first time? Or, you know, what, what did that feel like the first time somebody said, you, yeah. you should have headlined? It felt. And did it go to your head where you no, fucked it up your, go, your hustle? <laughs> no, you know what? It didn't go to my head because um, I've I've worked with some big names now, and that happens, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't go to my head because I what people don't understand how comedy works. Like people got different styles. You know what I'm saying? Like my style is high energy. It's going. It's it's going to be in your face. But when you say you got somebody that uh, went on for like a, a, a hour, right? Mm-hmm. And you ain't got to say you're doing it before. You ain't got to do it for 15 minutes. You ain't got to captivate an audience as long as they do. That quick hit, that's the easiest spot, that guest spot. Good point. You go up in there like for seven to ten minutes. Papa, oh, he was so-and-so. But all I had to do was ten minutes. This person had to do an hour. Then he had to transfer the energy from the the, the comedian went on before to after. So I never get caught up in that. And it's like, oh, I think comedy is like, like they say football, any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Any given Sunday, you could be the man, but one night you just take an L, and somebody shine that night. Yeah, you know, yeah. you call it an L, like like in hip hop. If, if if we bomb on the show, you'd be like, damn. Man. I don't even like that word. For real, the word bomb. I remember I dated when I first started. I was dating this chick, and I know I said this shit ain't gonna last because I went. To, she went to one of my shows. And she didn't know that comedians are allergic to the word bomb. We don't. I don't use that. I might say, yo, it wasn't as successful as the last show, you know. But um, I had a bad set, and she looked me in my face. She said, "You bombed." I was like, "What? I don't bomb. I don't know what it was. I did that you show. Blew up the spot." She said, "You bombed." I did that show. Went to the Peppermint Lounge and took another hit. She said, "You bombed again." Cut to. That was the end of our relationship. <laughs> 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 Bitch, you. I was like, Nah, we ain't doing that. Yeah. Who created the Ashy Larry character? It was a combination. Like on the paper, it read that um, it was a guy in boxers. Only thing I knew about him, he was in boxers and he had dress shoes. But when I was on the when I was on the show, if you really look at, if you had an editor take how much time I actually talked on that show, it would probably be on a timeline. It'd probably be like four minutes of dialogue. Mm. Cause I, but which made me realize that every time you see me, you gotta kill it. I got to kill it on sight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't wait for you to recognize me, what I said. I want you to recognize me by the characteristics and the things I added to the character. So this dude was in boxers, and I said, um, I want to be ashy. <laughs> right? And it reminded me, it was like art imitating life, because when I was young, I used to shoot dice. And my mother was like, you been out there shooting dice? I was like, no, why you say that? She said, look at your knees. Your knees all scratched up and ashy, right? Because you know you're in that concrete trying to get it. Right? So... I was like, I want to be ashy. I said, I want to be so ashy, I could write how much money people owe me on the side of my leg. I want to play tic-tac-toe. I'd be like, look, you owe me $20. Look at, look at my thigh. I'm keeping a record right here. And I, I, I was like, just, I wanted to do something extreme. 
and I went to her hair and makeup, and I didn't share this with Dave or Neil Brennan, but I asked him for some baby powder, right? Started putting the baby powder on. I'm in the back here. I ain't let nobody see me. I got a robot. I was like, when I come out, I'm going to come out. <laughs> I told him, I said, give me some baby powder. Right? They gave me some baby powder. They ain't even had no dice on set. I'm like, how you don't have no dice? So I'm out here faking. I got baby powder. I did like this. I did like this. Like I was, I was like, Ashley Lurie, son. That's him. Right? But when I tell you one take, they was like this. That's it. And, and the thing about it, when we did that sketch, that was the first time we had someone outside of our our main crew, Charlie, me, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, R.I.P., right? Eddie Griffin was the first, uh, like, stunt, you know, stunt casting when they were like, let's put these names on it. And that sketch wasn't designed for me to shine. Mm. Which sketch? The one where y'all yeah, shot the, 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 the dice? The World Series of Dice. The World Series of it Dice, yeah. If you look at, if you really, if Grit, you look at dialogue. What, what, was, what was Eddie? Grits and what? Grits, Grits and, and gravy. gravy. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the dialogue, right? If you look at the dialogue, they had a lot of dialogue. It was a conversation. I had just a quick hit. Yeah. Right? And I, I always tell myself, I know what y'all was supposed to happen with this sketch. I'm going all out. Every sketch I've treated like I was never going to be on the show. So that again. was the first time you came out with the baby powder? Was it? Yeah. It was on that sketch? It was that, on that sketch. <laughs> and the thing about it was, it was for Eddie. That was supposed to be for Eddie. It was for Eddie and Dave to like blow it up. It was the focus. And I was just, I was just, I just zoned out. And I remember Charlie had a mask on, right? And that nigga said, nigga, <laughs> like, do you know what the fuck you doing to this skit right now? I was like, actor, he was like, man, you killing this shit. Eddie Griffith said, Donna, the reason why that sketch worked for you is because you're not afraid to get ugly. You know uh, what I'm saying? Like some people are like, oh, I can't do this and everything. Uh, and I just went all out. And it became one of the most memorable yeah. um, characters throughout the two and a half years existence yeah. of the show. I don't even have yeah. your name in my phone as Donnell Rollins. I have it in there as Ashley Larry. I have you as Diva. <laughs> I have you as Diva. I'm sure. Yes, I do. <laughs> Diva motherfucker. That's what I am. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everybody, this is Carrie Champion, and I'm here to announce that the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards on April 27th. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? 
Well, Nissan is back with your Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event you want to be at. You don't want to miss it because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, when you, um, when, when on the third season of the Chappelle show, mm-hmm. it was you and Charlie Murphy that came out on stage and. Y'all shot a lot of that stuff with or without Dave. Everything that, the thing about it was, like the, the actual, I've heard questions, I, people ask me, like, oh, how could you do it? Everything that that show was about was already in the can. Right. Then you're looking at a company like, looking at a company like this, all right, we don't know what the deal is. It was no communication mm. with Dave or anything. What do we do with this? Is this still our intellectual property? You know what I'm saying? Any okay. business would be like this. How, how can we put this out? It was a tough decision on Miss Charlie's part because we wasn't trying to give the impression that we was the next Chappelle show. We wasn't trying to mm-hmm. like, oh, we could take over. You know, it was just like, how do we present this? And that's why it was important at the beginning when Charlie was like, yo, it was so funny, though. Charlie was like, you know what, man, I don't really want to be here, right? And I was like, speak for yourself. Like, I need all the airtime I can get. Like, this might be my last time on TV. <laughs> it was a funny way. And then at the time, Dave wasn't communicating with anybody. He had, he had pick up the phone and said, you know what, I don't want you to do it. 100% wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it. Right. But at the same time, it was a great platform for us. So was, so was Dave indifferent? I've, I've, I've heard him make jokes about it on stage. You know, like, um, yeah, Dave Chappelle, not doing the Chappelle show, it's like, he referenced it. I think it was a Key and Pale reference. It was like, oh, you mean the show without the... He was, you could tell he was troubled by it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, he had a respect for what me and Charlie did as far as what we could do to further our career and, and, and get people to still check for us. It was a dope platform. How do you not do it? How long right. did they go after? Uh, it was over. We knew it. Like, then we How many shows it. did y'all do? It, it was a half a season. And the only reason, like, yeah. if it was a situation, okay, now we're creating this show with these new skits and stuff, we would have never done it. But the mm-hmm. fact that this was stuff that was supposed to come out was anyway, in the can. it was already in the can. So yeah. it was okay. an opportunity for us to continue to do the show, pay homage to the show. I think we did it in the most respectful, classic way you can do mm-hmm. it, and we keep it moving. But the funny thing about that, a lot of people know, me and Charlie was doing it. Charlie is... He was funny as fuck. A, like a serious yeah, funny motherfucker. For, for real. People don't know, when we was doing that, Charlie wore glasses, right? This is a funny story, right? Kind of, you give me Charlie energy. You know, that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be... 
I'm gonna be chill, but if, if it's gonna go down, it's gonna go down. I'm looking right in your face, right? So we on stage, Charlie wears glasses, and we had a teleprompter, right? And I guess he was going through what you went through, the mes mes metrosexual part of his life, where he <laughs> wanted to wear contacts, no glasses, and smile a lot. He been through, you ain't by yourself, Brad. You're not, you're not alone with your metros. Look how you just doing it now. Look at you. All right, so, so Charlie is, um, Trying to read a teleprompter, right? And he like this. And he kept fucking up, son. And the audience was getting frustrated. They was like, oh, come on, can you read, nigga? Right there. <laughs> they started to heckle him. And Charlie's one of them dudes that don't, he'll go at you all you day. Don't come at him. You know what I'm saying? Because if it hit hard, he's going to take it personal. So he's squinting. He's trying to read and everything. And the crowd, we lose the crowd. They like, oh my God, people starting to snicker. And I was like, man, this show is supposed to be funny. I gotta get them laughing again. And I said, I said, Charlie, put your glasses on, blind motherfucker. <laughs> he did like this. <laughs> he did like this, right? <laughs> he got he said, they said cut. And we went backstage, right? <laughs> we in the back. It's on. White people understand how black people argue, <laughs> right? Charlie said, Charlie said. Motherfucker, he was like a ventriloquist. <laughs> he said, he said, motherfucker, let me tell you one thing, motherfucker. Don't you ever like and and I don't want them to think we about to fight. We about to fight. So I gotta talk to him as a ventriloquist, right? Uh, he said, he said, don't you ever fucking embarrass me like that. I'll fuck your ass up. I said, Charlie, we trying to do a show. <laughs> I was like, because I didn't want him to swing on me, right? Because you can't go back out there knotted up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they like, cut. We go back. I got a big ass uh, lump on my head. A black guy and shit. He said, let me tell you one thing, motherfucker. Don't you ever embarrass me like this. I don't give a fuck about this TV shit. Nigga, do you know what I'm saying? I was like, I hear you, Charlie. We got to do a show. Oh, man. Yeah. I miss that dude. That was my guy, man. Yeah, man. man. One of the realest dudes. R.I.P. Charlie Murphy, man. Charlie Murphy. Indeed. He was special. He was one of those. And everybody say the same thing pretty much about Charlie. Yeah. Stand-up dude. Real, real solid. Can you share, like, a, another story that, or maybe, a, like, a story that that people are, may not know, uh, have heard about Charlie? Oh, Charlie, Charlie? About Charlie? Because um, you guys well, spent well, a lot of time together. Charlie, bro. Huh? Charlie? Name Charlie. Don't do that, Willie. His mama named him Charlie. Mm, Charlie. She didn't name him Charlie. She named but him that's Charlie. Right. But you know what I want to say about even saying Charlie? This is the dopest thing. I think the best thing that came out of Charlie's relationship. Charlie. On a, on a Chappelle show. Um, I couldn't even imagine being the older brother of one of the most successful comics in the history of comedy. Uh, no doubt. And still having aspirations to either do it or Jump be in that there. field. Yeah. Because you're going to be compared all the time, right? Yeah. But mm, it was Charlie so, was funny in the mother. He was funny. Shit, yeah. Yo, I'm going to tell you, if anybody know Charlie, like, I've been around Charlie and his whole family, right? If you be around Charlie, Eddie, and the whole family, you'll realize Charlie was the funniest motherfucker in the family. Really? But they chose different paths. You could tell, and you could tell that Eddie probably looked up to Charlie like this motherfucker funny. But Charlie was like this, fuck that. I ain't, you know, you know, he was, he was on the on the street side of. It. But the thing that I really appreciate the most, what Chappelle shit did for Chappelle shit did for him when Charlie passed away, it would have been, it would have been the headlines would have been like Eddie Murphy's brother passes away. Mm -hmm. You know, the show really gave Charlie his identity right. of being 
his own man, right. yeah. his own artist, his own creative. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was Charlie Murphy. That show gave him his wow. name. And that's Dope. one thing I respected when he passed away. Dope. But did, Eddie, did, did Eddie come to Charlie's services? Because I heard that he don't do that. Unless he was with some glasses and a hoodie in the back, you know? Wow. Uh, I didn't see it, and I'm wow. not I'm not one to, to yeah, judge I understand. On, on that I understand. situation. But I just heard he doesn't do uh, funeral services, man. You know, my mom's twin brother didn't show up to her funeral. And I, man, I was hot. You know, I took it very personal because, you know, they were always close. Really? And I was close to him. He just, he's the one who taught me how to box. I mean, damn. And, you know, I took it very personal. I didn't speak to him for a year. And one day he was at my sister's house and and I just confronted him about it. You know, not in an aggressive manner, but just, you know, like, hey, you know, we started chopping it up. And I was like, man, you know, like, say, Unc, you know, uh, just let him know it was bothering me that he right. didn't come to my mom's funeral. And he said, he said that he had a fight that day. You know, he's a, a, a boxing trainer. So he said he, one of his guys had a fight on that day and he thought about not going, but he said he went to clear his head. If I, to people fight. mourn in different ways. And, and, and I had to respect that because people do mourn different ways. differently. And I can yeah. understand, no, even in the case with like Eddie Murphy, I could see how Eddie Murphy's presence anywhere would create a spectacle that it takes away from right, why we right, really here. Right. Yeah. Eddie Murphy you know is saying? absolutely brilliant, bro. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how people can, can stand in front of Eddie Murphy and deliver lines. Like that would be impossible. Have you ever done that? I haven't. Uh, yeah, no. no. I'm excited about the opportunity. He is super funny, bro. Speak more. But to that it. shit makes me like. That shit brings out the best in me. Like when we were doing Chappelle's show, we had a blueprint of what we wanted to do, but then we would start with that, then it turned into something else. But we had like healthy competition. You know what I'm saying? Everybody. It wasn't like okay, I just want to do it this way. It was like this. Okay, Charlie, do an ad lib. I do an ad lib, and it keeps going on and on, and then it was just it just. When we would, with the Whack Arnold sketch, half the shit I said on that show, I made up. The Whack Arnold sketch, um, when, 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 when they say, uh, uh, Calvin got a job, when they walk down the street, <laughs> we was out to just crack talking shit, right? And I kept on saying, it's a thin line between fries and shakes. Ooh, the meanest burger in the world. Could be the leanest burger in the world if you cook it that way. Neil Brennan walked past. He said, what you say? I said, it's a thing. You know, I just went in. He was like, do that shit. And the shit stopped. Yeah. Half the shit I did on, on that show, they stopped writing for me. They started just with put son and just like a long line, like just do what you do. And I always told people, like, always, always felt just everything go harder. Don't you... you can't assume that you're going to be back here because we not, didn't have a contract. You Damn. know what I'm saying? you just going up there like this might be my last time and, and and eat it up. Hey, speak more to what you were saying about Charlie Murphy being, you know, the brother of one of the biggest comedians in the world, Eddie Murphy, and and being okay with that. Speak more to that. Well, he he was true to himself. You know what I'm saying? Who knew He, he knew who he was. He could easily go up there like, and try to mimic Eddie. And even when he first started stand-up, because the first time he ever went on stand-up stage, I pushed him into it. We were doing the Chappelle show, right, two years. Wasn't making a lot of money. That contract, it, it, the money wasn't going to come in to like the third season. 
Yeah. You know, wasn't making a lot of money. And I was like, but we're popular. Like, everybody like, Charlie Murphy. I'm rich, bitch, Charlie Murphy. I'm like, man, we got to get this money. So I said, we need to do a tour. I came up with the idea of doing a tour. I called it the um, the Rich Bitch Tour, right? Um, Burke, I forgot, he was a young agent back then. He represents some big names. Now, it was the first, it was the first major tour, if you want to say, he had as a young agent. If you come in and you get connected to, like, a tour that's a tour of some of the main players of one of the biggest shows in pop culture. And I was like, I want to do this tour. Charlie is popping. Charlie never did stand up, right? I was like, I got to get Charlie trained. And I used to talk shit about Charlie. I said, yeah, you a tough motherfucker. Until somebody put that microphone in your face. I said, you nut up then. And he don't like to be challenged like that. So we went to, I took him to an open mic. First time he ever went on stage. You could tell he was a little nervous, but he still did it, right? And I said, all I need is 10 minutes out of him. 10 minutes, they Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy, it's a rich bitch tour, 10 minutes, and then get to me. Then at the time, Bill Burr, Bill Burr is a huge name in county right now. Bill Burr was about to bust, right? He was about to bubble, but he still wasn't. He was still working B rooms, you know? And I said, let me, I want. I don't want this show, I want this to be a quality show. I don't want just to be like a fluffer or something in the middle. I was like, why not have Bill Burr on the show? Because Bill Burr was an animal. And by the way, he killed that commentator role on the on the World Series that, of yeah. Dice. It was like he it was like it. everybody at that time was like bubbling, right? And I said, we're gonna do this tour. I was like, Charlie, UMC, um, Bill Burr. No disrespect to you being a headliner, but I'm a bigger draw of the show than Bill Burr. So it was Charlie, Bill Burr, and then I would headline. And going back to we talking about following somebody. Uh, when I was talking about following people today, mm. try coming behind Bill Burr for motherfucking 45 weekends out of a year. You mm. have no time off. It is not one day you can slip. And there's a couple of times I didn't have a great show, and I noticed because some comment cards used to come back. <laughs> they were like, yeah, just like you said, they said, yeah, they should have had the white boy headline, right? <laughs> I was like, mm. we're not going to do that again. But And that's how we had to make an, a, an adjustment and and Charlie was off to the races after that. He's, he was, can you imagine selling out across the country as an open micer and learning a craft as you're selling out? Mm-hmm. And people were super critical of him. Like, it was, you can hear some roughly, he ain't his brother. He ain't no Eddie Murphy. But he wasn't trying to be no Eddie Murphy. Who, he was who? trying to be him. And he, and he became what he is. One of the dopest storytellers can captivate the audience. Don't got to jump up, ain't got to yell or nothing. Just sit there and talk. Yeah. What's the comedy card? What do you mean? You you said the comedy cards would come comment back. Card. Comment, yeah. comment cards. You know how to be like. Oh, the, oh, be, oh, the comments. Yeah, okay, the comments. I thought, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, right, like right, exactly. Like, so who yeah, did you yeah, like? They yeah, were yeah, trying right. to see who they want to bring right, back. I got you. Right, right. Who do you like? Right. Who was your funniest? You know. And how then, did you read those cards? <laughs> are they somebody just called you and told you what they were saying? What did you read the cards yourself? Oh, yeah, I would. I would snatch. Or... I'll go back. I hit the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how am I doing today? I hit the box. Yeah. But I and I, but I knew it was certain clubs that like it was certain clubs we went to. Bill Bird would just he just would shine. But yeah, we had like we did that in like 2005, yeah. 2006, and one of the best tour, touring experiences I've had to this day. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really do like Bill Burr, man. He's one of the most honest comedians out there and, and well-informed. Um, speak speak to whose idea it was for Charlie to get in a storytelling lane as opposed to a punchline lane. It was all by accident. Like, you got to realize when we went to go to work, 
I never felt like we would work. When we went to set, I never felt like it was work. I was like, we just had a good time. And Charlie has a million stories. Mm-hmm. And we just being in lunch, having lunch, talking, and you would hear these stories and Davies would be like, like, are you serious? And how do you remember that stuff, man? Like, got a good I mean, he's really detailed. He's he really just, detailed. I don't know what his process was, whatever. He's a born shit talker, you know? He was a born shit talker, but he would tell these stories. And I remember, man, that goddamn Rick James story, they was like, <laughs> it was just like, they, you just, Charlie would just talk. Charlie, and the script would, Charlie would talk, and the script would be like this. And they just started doing it. And right they just, they was, it's the crazy thing about that sketch. This is how companies use, sometimes they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. At the time, Comedy Central, that sketch, that episode, they hated it. This is what they said. They said, it's too long. Nobody had ever did a sketch like the entire show. Mm. It was like, it's too long, and Charlie Murphy's not funny. Now, we see how wrong they were about that. Mm -hmm. And we stuck to our guns. They pushed forward, and we call it the wraparounds. The wraparounds is when you already had the stuff you recorded, Right, and then you play it for everybody to see in front of a live audience. And I've seen that room erupt, but I've never seen anything um, erupt like when the the first time Dave said, I'm Rick James, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers ever. And here's another thing. This is when you know you're an incredible uh, 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 comedic actor when you could be a motherfucker that you don't look nothing like. Uh, you that don't look nothing like him. Yeah, but you feel that was Rick James. Yeah, that's fucking acting. When you can take it away from you know some people like this. We got to get this guy to play this role because he looks like him. Didn't even knew that and smoked that shit. Man, I can see why Joe Rogan has invited you back on his show multiple times because uh-huh. you know J- Joe talks to really brilliant people. There's a lot of people that come on his show. Who are very, very brilliant and fascinating. You know, I'm sorry. You got that shit, man. And you it's that information that you got. Where did that come from? Life experiences. Yeah. Fucking getting burnt, you know what I'm saying? Getting rejected. You but know what I mean? Like, be, but it had to be also like a, a, a on your behalf, a, a will to wanna be better and wanna learn. Always. Yeah. Always. Oh, I've been doing it for twenty eight years, right? And I've right out the gate, I was funny. At the twenty eight year career, Willie, I still feel like Every year I get better. And that's coming from having some bomb-ass years, like being on fire 10 years ago and continue, because I always can find something new. I always could figure out another way to present a joke or an attitude, just posture and stay. I'm always practicing on how I can get better. But going back on the, on the, um, on the Joe Rogan, one, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. The person, people that Joe Rogan always have on his, people, on his show is people he respect. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. He's never going to have nobody on this show just because, like, oh, this would be an interest. It's something that he connects with. Or somebody hot just because they're hot. Just, that, yeah, that's not, not what it is. That, yeah. he, he's, a, he's a true motherfucker. And I used to, and I knew how powerful Joe Rogan was with his podcast. And I was like, I'm going to get on this podcast. But it ain't going to be from, like, hey, can I be on your podcast? It's going to be because he's going to see me in the trenches. And he gained respect for me as a stand up. Mm-hmm. And what I brought to the stand-up, you know, not just the, you, he, he don't give a fuck about that just Chappelle show shit. It was about how are you flat-footed with a mic in front of an audience? And I was like, eventually, I will get the call or the, or, or the invite just off of that. And my relationship, 
in comedy, period. I never wanted to be close to a comedian. I never want to be like, hey, your friend. Only only way I want you to respect me is from what I do on the mic. The other shit, I don't give a fuck about it. Let's go on a goddamn stage. Is that how you and Dave became close? We well, yeah, the respect for each other as um, as comedians because Dave is uh, younger than me, but he started before me. And when he started, like when I started comedy in D.C., Dave had already moved to New York. And like for anybody from like a small town or whatever. Your best sign of you trying to do something is when you leave home. Mm. And back then when I first started, it wasn't like now where you could blow yourself up in your living room mm -hmm. on the internet. You had to hit the pavement. So David went to New York. I'm still in D.C. And I was always, I was like, yo, I was like, who popping? Like, who popping? D.C. mother, who popping? They'd be like, yo, you got to check out this motherfucking Dave Chappelle. I'm like this. He popping? They was like, yeah. I was like, so, and David has told this story. I said, what make him so nice? They was like, he's young, he's smart, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, fuck that nigga. Right? Not in a bad way. I just felt like, okay, I want to get people to appreciate me the same way. And then Dave it would come. He shared this story on my 50th birthday. He would um, go to D.C. and he would ask, who's the uh, hot comics out right now? Right. And he said, it used to be the usual suspects, Tony Woods. He would name all, this person, all these people. And then he said, but there's this one young cat that's coming up named Donnell Rawls. And Dave said he was like, fuck that nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's a true story. I got a record. He was like, fuck it. But that's how, that's how we were. You know what I'm saying? But it was yeah. just a fun competition. And Dave gained respect for me, not for me trying to be his friend or anything other than the dude has the work ethics. He's funny. And then when we call him, into the game, he scores. Yeah, and I think that's how you should build all relationships. Like, what, what, what do you do? You know, are yeah. you good at it? Do you work hard at it? You know, yeah. Dave is one of those brilliant-minded yeah, uh, people that I mentioned uh, that are often on the Joe Rogan podcast. You being his friend and uh, knowing how you know he operates and having the respect that you obviously have for him as as a friend and as a human being. <laughs> How often is that reciprocated where he actually comes to you for advice or, you know, direction? He don't really come to me for advice and di direction, but he'll come to me as me as a listening ear. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you know, just so smart and so wise, not too much. And we like share information just on how we move and the choices we make, but he don't come to me like that, you know? But, you know, the dude is a talker, man. I remember I used to get in trouble with this girl I used to date because I used to come in at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock, and I'd be like, yeah, I was, we was just sitting around talking today. Really? Y'all just sitting around. <laughs> Y'all just sitting around, grown-ass men, just sitting around talking about the world, and it's the truth. You know, like, one of the smartest one of the smartest people I've ever met in regard to being able to talk about any subject. I'm like, how does a motherfucker get this much knowledge Have that didn't go time. to college? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just mm -hmm. like, it's one of those special people, but you know, we touch. It's so crazy because him being younger than me, sometimes I go to him for advice or what your thoughts are because he's been doing it longer than me and he, he thinks different than I do. Mm -hmm. I'm all, you know, the motherfucker always want to just get at somebody. Fuck that, whatever. I don't give a fuck that we can fight, whatever. Not so much fight, but just that type of energy. Yeah. And he's always 
be like the peace mother. Okay, but listen, you know. Has your son Austin dialed back any of that hyper energy? For me? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, my son is funny, dude. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he now? Like five? He's six. He's six. Okay, yeah. He's funny. My I son, remember when he was born and you was post, man, you was happy. Boy, I was, you yo, was happy. I was an old head. Yeah, you was. I thought I was out the game, bro. Man, you, boy, you could tell, man. You Nothing, was doting over and that I, kid, And man. I'm not embarrassed to say that. It's one of the yeah. dopest things I've ever done. You know what I'm saying? And it's one thing to be into your career so much that for some people, that part of life, it passed them. But mm-hmm. mentally, mm-hmm. you have to prepare yourself for it. You got to prepare yourself for like, fuckers ask you, why you don't got no kids? You gay, something wrong with them. You got to prepare yourself for that. And then you make choices. You can get deep in it. It can ruin your mental. Or you can say, well, you know what? A lot of people do. I'm going to focus on my career. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got nieces. I got nephews. I'll be a great, a great uncle or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on that. Or it would drive you crazy. And I had already settled with the fact that you probably won't have no kids. And I was cool with it. I was like, well, then you just, your grind is going to be to help other people and your family. And then I was lucky enough to that shit. I, I, I mean, my lady, I remember when she told me she was pregnant first thing, I said, by who? <laughs> I said, I ain't not, no not, boy. Not, I, ain't not, that, I ain't heard that scare did you, since did, the 90s, son. <laughs> did, you believe that you were, did you believe that you were shooting blanks or what was happening? You was no, it wasn't, I didn't want to shoot blanks. I just was, I was a... I was definitely a practice safe sex motherfucker. Right. You know, what wrapping saying? it up, just yeah. trying to make sure. I was that wrapping up, and then, you know, that's the right why I don't one. like that um, Cardi B song because they say they pussy so wet it fuck your pull out game up, right? That wouldn't have worked in the 90s. <laughs> make that pull out game weak. Yep, make that. But I just was, you know, took care of myself, was cautious, and it just didn't happen. But when it happened, it was like the first time I ever, I know it sounds crazy, the first time I ever questioned God. And it was, a lady was pregnant, and the doctor, at, the do, at the beginning, the doctor said, just, just just didn't give us no good signs that it would be like a healthy pregnancy or whatever. You know, they got mm-hmm. So at my age, I was like, man, I don't know what that doctor talking about. I'm buying juicers and all types of shit. I was like, we need to eat healthier. I'm talking about we. I was just like, I'm going to do everything I can. Three months into the pregnancy, I was in Australia, and she lost the baby, right? And I was mad as shit at God, son. I was like, mm. I was like, man. And this is why I was mad at God. I was like this. I only really call you for a lot of shit. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not one of, you know, some people like just call God for every goddamn thing. Oh my God. Oh, I hope this light don't turn red. I can't afford this ticket. God, please just get me out of this. I called him for real shit. Like, let me have a healthy baby. Let me have a baby. I was mad. Right? Mm, mm, mm. Three months later, she got pregnant again. And then I had to apologize to God. I was like, you know, I was having a bad day. Right. You know what I'm saying? I asked you for something, and you didn't come through. And I don't even be asking you for stuff like that. And then if anybody had that experience of having a miscarriage, right? And then when that happened, I just really was like, damn, people really don't understand how serious it is to have a kid. Yeah, It ain't guaranteed. You got people out here willing to spending hundreds of thousand dollars for a shot at having a baby. Yeah. And then you got motherfuckers yeah. that have kids that don't want to be in their life. That shit is just, it's mind-boggling to me. But it just made me really value what uh, procreating really meant. Mm-hmm. And then if you've ever been in a situation where you've had someone and you had a, a miscarriage, all you're trying to do is get past that last mark. You know what I'm saying? You was like, you like, well, three months in, 
it w- it didn't work out. So you nervous. Damn, but nowadays because of modern science and everything, you can always kind of know what's going on. So much testing and everything. And after the third month, start building more confidence. The fourth month, start building more confidence. Fifth month, I was like, oh shit, this is really fucking happening. And mm. when that dude crowned out, yo, I don't give a fuck how tough you think you are. When you see that motherfucker come out, yo, look at my face, sir. I was like, <laughs> I had the awe, and I got and and, you had and the I had the awe. I was soft as shit. So I said, "Yo, you can hear, you can see me taking a deep breath, like." <gasps> and it was the most dopest thing ever. And that little boy right now is my everything. I feel so. you, man. With all of the accolades that I've had, man, you know, gold albums, you know, boxing championship trophies, you know, uh, money, the cars, the homes, nothing, and I mean nothing remotely comes close to the excitement, the joy that I felt it feels when like my daughter people- was born. My daughter was, I always tell people that the, the, the two happiest moments, most satisfying moments in my life was when my, first of all, when my daughter was born was number one. Number two was when my son was born. Right. Everything else, man, I can, I can, I have to try to debate. Because you, because the reason why, because you kind of want to know what your true purpose is. Right? What? What? Why am I really here? And me having that experience of having a son, I'm like, this is my purpose. This is the reason why I want to work so hard. This is the reason why I try to live life as correct as possible. Mm-hmm. You going for something? Before that, you told you you like not saying you're selfish, but when it's just you, that's you don't got to worry about nothing. Now you got that added sense of responsibility. A kid would make you want to straighten your shit up. You know what I mean? And you want to be an example for him. And in a lot of cases, and in my case, like you, I want to be better than my father was. And and I no disrespect to my father, but my father chose a lifestyle that didn't give him the opportunity to spend as much time as he probably wanted with his kids. And I love right. him. He passed away three years ago. But do you look at that, especially for me, people are like, why are you so into this much? I say, because I have probably 10 good memories with my father, mm. right? I was like, this. My my focus was, I just want to make memories with him. I don't. I, I don't want to have to keep telling the same story. I got to tell the same story, you know. I want to make memories with him, and I want to do better than my dad. That's why sometimes we, you, uh, fucked up fathers create better dads. True that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That you know, it's true like that. okay, so she didn't. He. This is how we supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And to this day, man, I, my son got so much memories until this day. He's he, well taken. Yeah, hell yeah. Shout out to all the fantastic fathers out there, man. Indeed. We don't we don't get my, our props, my, man. My, my but man, are, are I love y'all for what y'all fathers. do. You yeah. know, they they definitely beat me out. Yeah, Brad got some Brad got some great boys, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I was girls too, but I mean, I'm not really I don't really know. I only know. Brandy, uh, Brandy but yeah, yeah. but but he I know, I know I can vouch for the boys because I know them. I oh, mean, got some fantastic good, great girls great kids, too, great kids. And I mean, yeah. I look forward to being a, a, a better grandfather than I was a father. But you got to look at this, Brad. This is another thing too. Think about it's all like relevant to where you are in your life. And mm-hmm. I always say that all my friends' kids are so much older mm-hmm. than my son. But I just and I say, what 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 would happen down there? What type of person do you think you would have been or dad? If you was like right at the beginning of your career, seventeen years old, you know what I'm saying, you and old. you still trying to get the best pussy out there. 
One old mentor of mine told me one time, Andy Evans, he said, Donnell, this is when your career blows up. When you done fucked everything you want to fuck, right? You got that out your system. And he said, um, you got to remember, uh, no pussy is going to be better than new pussy. Hmm. And I think you said, you you, you hmm. referenced something close to that when when you, I, I was listening to one of the podcasts and you was talking about when you can control, you said when you can control your penis yeah, or your I mind. See, yeah, yeah. The, the two things that a man must learn to control, and that is uh, his emotions and his penis. That's a tough one. If you can do that, you know, you can really maximize, you know, your potential. Right. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests. But with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know what? Let's go back to uh, to the um, the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. When your girl had that miscarriage, I know you said you were angry with God, but were you also angry with her? No. You, you and the reason you didn't why blame her. Okay. I would, the reason why I never and like we don't. 
exist in the same mental space anymore. The reason I wasn't upset with her because uh, she gave me her body. You know what I'm saying? She she gave me her body. She sacrificed. She her sacrificed. Body. This is what you gotta respect yeah. about no matter yeah. how relationship go. She gave my body, and she said, "This is what I want to do." And I know, was she super excited about having a kid? I don't think so. But we were in love at the time, and she felt like this was something. And I talked about it, like oh whatever. She thought that this was something that would com complete my journey. So, um, no, I never was mad at her. So she had the baby as a gift to you, so to um, speak. It's, it's probably a combination of both. It's a tough question. You know, I think she probably was curious about mom lifestyle, but I think it was more, I, I really do believe that she really felt like how happy it would make me. Hmm. And then we was uh, new to a relationship. You know, at the beginning of the month, we did do everything to make you happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can go for that. At the beginning, everything to make you happy. Then after a while, like, oh, you start getting older and shit. <laughs> Old-ass motherfucker, but, you know. <laughs> Half start grand, falling yeah, out. Yeah, you start grand like, and talk about, go take your medicine, take your pills, sit your old ass down somewhere. <laughs> you better put that basketball down before you pop something. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was it was, she, it was her, like, wanting me to be happy with that part of my life. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, talk about how it is when you're this guy who is a comedian and people expect you to always be funny and to be that guy who is the jokester, right? When you're not always that guy, you know, how, how, how do you balance that? I'm usually, for the most part, always the funniest person in the room. But, you know, I got limits to it. I'm not, and it's not me trying to be like the funny guy. It's just my personality. Some people have just have those personalities where they just a funny motherfucker. You know, I tell people all the time, yeah, you'll pay you'll pay uh, to see me perform, but mm. just hang out with me for a day. It's going to be way more funny than that stage joint. But people that know me, they know, like, I'm a funny person, but I'm serious at the same time. You know, I don't I do not do the clown shit. And, and mo the trip part about it is that most comedians have those two sides. I mean, they are funny, but if most of the time when you actually hang out with comedians... You're not just laughing. You right. know, you're talking about life and stuff like that, or you just chilling and you. you I don't like them silly club, motherfuckers. I don't like motherfuckers. I don't hang out with silly motherfuckers. Just always got to try to be on, right. like, bro. Yeah, that's that's you know, that's draining. If you're funny, you're funny. You know, you don't got to force that shit. Right. But people that know me, they know. Like, even people see me before a show, they go, "What's wrong with you? Are you okay?" I just tap out, just zone out, kind of meditate, world, yeah. and get ready to go do my show. I will yeah. say this though, man. Like Donnell is really, really fucking funny though. Like all she, the time. You telling Noah about the arc? All <laughs> the time. He is a yeah. damn fool. All the time. We went to um, we went to um, we was at the studio one night. Burger spot, bro. <laughs> the one they could the double double in and out. This dude Where was is this in and out. You ever had an in and out burger? In and out. I don't think so. Yo, this motherfucker, I think we went through that drive through three times in one night. In and out weather. What, what city? It was in LA. It was in Burbank. Yeah. I was like, he said, What's your order? I know your order. You say, A double double uh, uh, animal style. Animal I, style. It's like a certain sauce or whatever they put on there, but he was, that's all he talked about was a goddamn double double. Yeah, we went there. He talked about was double double. It's a good burger. It was yeah. so he talked about it so much. When I go to In Out, then I say, "Can I get a scarf first? Can I get a scarf first? You want a double, double, extra cheese?" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That that was a, that, that was 
That was a good time. That's a good burger too. All the all the time, bro. All yep. the time, man. How long y'all been knowing each other? And but what? Eight years? Nine years? Is it been up? Yeah, ten years. Something like that. But um, Donnell is funny as fuck all the time, bro. So I gotta I gotta say. Like it, you copy the play, it sound like you bound out. Yeah. Because when you told me last night, this is the fuck you told me. You said we was doing the verses. That's what you said. So you, you want to do it? I mean, you the one before it, you said, no, I don't want to do that. But I was just Dude. saying, if it's a nice way for you to bow out, that's what uh, metrosexuals no, do, do son. Do that's what metrosexuals do. They bow out with some. Podcast. We can get some. No, it was jokes, though, we was doing. Yeah. I don't want to do it now. I, I changed my mind. I don't have the audience. The fuck was that? It, Thunder. That's God telling you that that was God saying you don't want no part of me. <laughs> Can't nobody stand here. But man, talk 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 about Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney, I didn't really have a relationship with Paul Mooney, but I would see him. He was one of the guys I looked up to as far as being like somebody that was unedited. And when you talk about if don't give a fuck was a person. Oh, yeah. Yo, I remember one time, the first time I ever saw Paul Money, it was at a comedy store. And I don't even think I was doing comedy at the time. Just went there. And I was like, ooh, the fuck is this dude that don't give a fuck about white people think at all? You know they say zero fucks? Zero, zero. fucks. Zero. Paul Money would go up in there and walk. Have the audience. Well, I never oh, get out of here, bitch. It's okay. You never, you never hear him. You know, Paul. Paul would walk you, and then by the time you left out, it was thirty other people that wanted to come in here and sit down. And he, yeah. I was like this. I, I, yo, he went so hard on white people. I was about to defend white people. I was like, how dare you talk about? I was. I felt sellout lights. I was like, how dare you can't talk to the white man like that? And he had the level of confidence. He was ghost, used to go so hard. At Caroline's and Broadway, they used to have a disclaimer at the beginning. If you're easily offended, blah, 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 just don't even, because we're gonna we're not giving you money. Caroline's back. where? Caroline's on Broadway. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, I was about to say, I thought you said somewhere else, because I know, I obviously know the one in New York. but No, but he was, yeah. and, and, and Paul Mooney was one of those guys that throughout the comedy, uh, uh, the comedy circuit, they had respect. They knew who he was and respected and know what he did as a writer for Richard and who he was. But like for the general public, a lot of people didn't know what his contribution was to comedy and entertainment. Mm -hmm. you know, in, in, your, in your opinion, who is today's Paul Mooney? I'd say it's, it's signs of different. Uh, who gets there the closest, though? Who's the closest? I think I, I think um, Dave. Dave, for sure. And, but, but, but the thing is, like, one thing Dave don't like, Paul Mooney comes off, you would think, like agitated or upset. You know what I'm saying? So that's why sometimes you don't, people don't give it a fair listen. Mm -hmm. But Dave is very approachable. Dave is very likable. But he's saying exactly some of the same shits and moving is almost similar to Paul Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney would have never gave a fuck about cancel culture the same way Dave don't never give a fuck about cancel culture the same way Bill Burr don't give. You got, as much as people say comedy's getting fucked up, you still have people that stand up on what it means to be a stand-up and say fuck it. And those are the people that empower themselves. Those are people that say, I'm doing this my way, I don't give a fuck. And they put the power. One of the dopest things, Dave, people always say, you always talk about Dave. He's one of my closest friends. He's one of my closest friends, and he happens to be the GOAT. Yeah. 
That's it. Why won't why 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 you talking about it? Cause that's my nigga. The the way that he brought that um closer around, like the way he made that full circle, oh, yeah, man. That, that shit was, was a, fucking brilliant. But yeah, but, but here's it, it, this is what was frustrating to me about the whole thing is that a good friend of mine, lesbian, married to a Another woman, uh, I was we was performing. <laughs> hold on, I know I, I gotta on, be careful. You said hold on, hold on, hold on. Lesbian marriage. You said lesbian. I thought that was somebody's name. No, it was lesbian. <laughs> the way you set it up. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but you used to be able to say that shit, no big deal. But now you say you that shit, they come out like unless you own you it. say something derogatory toward Jewish people. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, oh, crazy. But we, we were, um, we were showing Austin, and one of my friends, her and her, her wife was there. And at the end of it, I said, um, how you like the show? She was like, well, I, I liked it, but we left early. I was like, wow. She said, because blah, 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 blah. Um, she walked out on Dave. And when she said that, I said to myself, I know exactly the moment she walked out. Yeah, I, I, It was a trigger. Like, you got people. People just like, Most of the time, people that walk out of a show, they mm-hmm. came to walk out. They just waiting for the trigger word. Huh. And, it was, mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. when she walked out, it was at the beginning of setting up the story about Dave's transgender friend, right? I was like, that's unfair. I said, I know what she walked out. I said, but she didn't even give it a shot. Because she like didn't. you said, if you go 360 on how it turned out in the explanation, and like they, they're trying to drag Dave, talking about, oh, he's transphobic. I'm they like, just heard a, they heard a trigger word and walked the fuck they, out. They, they were out. just stupid. I was like, if you realize what was important with his relationship with the transgender, it's not who the transgender identified as or anything. It was like how we respect each other as a comic and a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When the Daphne said, Dave's like, I'm trying to understand you. And Daphne, and Dave said, Dave was like this. I don't need you to understand me. I need you to know that I'm having a human experience. Yo, for any motherfuckers, that's a bar. Any motherfucker that want to talk shit about the closer, just rewind that part. How do you call somebody transphobic without bringing up that whole story? Well, when you ex- when you're experiencing cognitive dissonance, yep. you know cognitive when when you're that dissonance. when you're that person, you know who hears what you want to hear, and once you hear what you want to hear, the other stuff don't really don't matter. matter. Another thing that was fantastic about that man, he was like, man, I'm. We, I'm not mad. I just want to know how you did it. Y'all came, y'all got there quick. We still trying to figure it out. Yo, that, I told, I said, like, yo, damn. I had this joke, and I know they're probably, and I, I, I've done it where I said, you know, I understand. I said, uh, the LBG, they said they want to ban the F word, right? They don't want you to say fag, right? It says politically incorrect, it's socially responsible, it's a disgusting word. And I agree with you. I think it is a disgusting word. But when you ban the words, you can't just cut in line of all the other words that need to be banned first. Right. You can't just jump in front of nigga like that. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> you can't skip nigga. You're like, excuse me, chick. Okay, nigga. Hello. We're in the front. Right. I said, if I was not lying, I'd be like, yo, fag, get behind these niggas. We've been waiting for 400 years. And stop looking at my ass, son. It's a joke, nigga. It's a motherfucking joke. And it's funny. Oh, Get yeah. out of my face with that stupid it's a shit, joke. man. It is funny, man. Stop hey, punching hey. down on my people. Yep. That Stop shit punching like, down on my people. And here's another thing. People try to... Wow. Yo, when he said... People try to, like... Damn. Like, judge... I'm Fucking like, beautiful, man. Brilliant. Like, oh, it wasn't the funniest. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this dude been funny so long that people were paid just to hear him talk. It wasn't they funny. don't need a, no, it. No, I'm saying hilarious. It was what I'm saying was when people like look at like like okay, it was like ha 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 whatever. But like I've I've seen his growth, and every time we do a special, it's deeper. 
It's a lesson. It's the time capsule. It's like when he's long gone away from here, you can you'll know exactly what was going on in the world just by dropping one of them jokes. I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody that can create flip material as quick. I've never seen it in my as, life, bro. As, and as I, quick and as I, as I flip material. Comedy yeah, concert. like when we just talk come about up with that stuff that quick, man, and that good. An hour. You know, I think he did three like, specials in like one year or something. Yeah. Man, that's unheard of. But when you have your voice, when you have yeah. your voice and you have your point of view, all you need is subject matter. All you need to be in the moment just to be able to talk about something. And that's what makes it dope. And people always, I go, I think I'm a great comic. It's hard for us. I think you're a great comic too. It's hard for us to put our ego aside. If you, when you, you know, this is petty motherfuckers. When somebody says somebody's great, they're like, well, I'm great too. But I question myself. I was like, I asked myself, what makes this motherfucker great? Right? And I, I, I attribute to what I call the Muhammad Ali moment. You got some people that could probably get you to laugh harder than Dave, whatever, but it's not too often that you have a Muhammad Ali moment where the decision you make is going to uh, change your life, could mm-hmm. change your life. Muhammad Ali, like, I'm not fighting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, for, and I was like, that's what separates, and that's, to me, what makes uh, a, a, a great person, a great comment. What is your contribution to the world? What do you think about Cat Williams' statement uh, saying that Eddie Murphy can't be your favorite comedian because he hasn't put out any material in over 20 years? He hasn't done stand-up. I mean, first off, it's a crazy statement to tell somebody who can't be your favorite comedian. Because it's all subjective. It's all subjective, and it's like what you like. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, I don't. I don't. Know. Well, he, what he what he was saying that he was going by catalog. He's saying, you know, stand up wise, you know, stand up wise, you know, Eddie was great in the, in 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 the in the eighties or whatever, but you know, maybe early nineties or whatever. But he's saying, stand up performance by stand up performance, he don't even consider Eddie Murphy because he don't have the catalog. But I say to that personally is that. By if if you were to believe what Cat is saying, then you'd have to strike off Biggie Smalls off your favorite right. rapper list because. But he's still one of because favorite Biggie right. don't have the catalog right. at all. Like, right. He don't even have remotely had a. Ca- if you're going by catalog, Biggie name will never be mentioned as somebody's favorite rapper. I think Cat in that case he probably was speaking to his fans. Okay. You know mm-hmm. the people that ride with him. I think that that's that's a, and I got a lot of respect for Cat Williams. A lot of respect for Cat Williams. I, I I really respect the guys in this business that don't have to be on TV every day, don't have to be in everybody's movie. They created a fan base, a loyal people that will support them forever. Like forever. Cat Williams, and that's what I, and, and they're that's, to stand on something and stand on something. Yeah, and that's what he empowers himself, and he put it back to where the most important people, and that's the people that's buying the tickets, you know. And Cat Williams, that people talk shit about him, whatever. But man, anybody. To be able to be in this business for 30 years and be able to still go out there and make an honest living. People like, Donnell, what is your goal as a comic? I don't have to be in the blockbuster. I mean, I've got a dope-ass resume. I don't have to do that shit, right? I don't eat off of that shit. You know, the actor shit, it comes every once in a while, but I can't. I say, but only thing I ever wanted to do was have my name strong enough where if you put my name on the marquee, I can eat, mm-hmm. and I'm winning. Anything else is a is a bonus. I mentor a comic friend of mine named Just June 
old school female comedian. She was like, Donnell, what is your, um, this was, I was super young in the game. She said, what is your, what is, what do you want? What is the ultimate level of success? And then I started, she said, happiness and everything. I said, you know, I, was, I did with any young, I was like, having my own sitcom, you know what I mean? Having that, then she was like, we are living the dream. We already live in the dream to be able to provide for yourself and your family through a God-given talent that you love doing. That's a win. But we get caught up. You start trying to compete. Well, this person got that person. This, per this person got that, whatever. But what gives you your happiness? The fact that motherfuckers get mad. When you said, when I first came today, you said, how you doing? I said, really, I'm doing so good. I'm embarrassed to even share it with people, right? Mm. Because nobody want to root for you. You greet a motherfucker in the hood first thing, say, yeah. how you doing? Oh, man, I ain't doing nothing. If I had your hand, I'd throw mine in. You know what I'm saying? We live off that. But once we find out what is what true happiness is, you are living a rich fucking life. And the life richness of it is your mindset. Pandemic last year, if you went through that pandemic and you didn't realize what's really important in life, you'll never get it. Mm. And what is true happiness? For me, yeah, for you. Uh, simple shit. Uh, being able to provide for my family, having a relationship with my son, mm -hmm. having a relationship with my friends, uh, being around uh, like-minded people. You know what I'm saying? Being around positive energy. And as you go through, in this business, you know, we go through shit. People we fuck with, we don't fuck with. You know, you'll get that. You remember when you first started? I had a guy hit me up a couple weeks ago. Yo, D, oh, you act like... uh. You don't fuck with me no more. I want to say I don't. Mm. Right? But it ain't because I don't fuck with you. It's because we don't think a lot in him alike a lot. And I had to tell him, he was like, yeah, but I remember you used to you used to look out for me, blah, blah, blah. Because this one guy in particular, I put him on Chappelle's show. I got him on it. He was like, you used to do, I was like, yeah, we used to. We used to do that. I think you, th you think Jay-Z is still friends with everybody he started with? Motherfuckers started. It ain't no bad way. It ain't no disrespect. Mm -mm. It's like, all right, um, when I see you, I see you. But if I'm making a conscious effort to call you on birthdays and all that type of shit, mm -hmm. no. But we can still have a mutual respect. We just understand that we on different. We we live in different lives now. If you want to, mm. Magic Johnson said this. If you want to bring your conversation up, if you want to level up with me, let's go. But I'm gonna get bored with the shit you're talking about. Right. Shit don't man, excite I, me. I feel that, man, because, you know, I love my family to death, man. Mm -hmm. But it, it's some of them, uh, if I know they're at the gathering, I'm not going. Mm -hmm. Because, and it depends on what day it is, too, and how I'm feeling. Right. I have to be up to it to go because I just feel like being around them that I'm stunting my growth. Right. It's like I want to grow. Right. I want to move forward, not backwards. And, and I just you want to be like around the same people that I, and I, and I just feel like... I just feel like some of my people are stuck. And right, I want to be around like-minded individuals, people that can help me grow, people, people who can contribute to that growth. People don't. What we want to do is, like, we get so happy with where we are right now, right? Nobody wants to start at the bottom of anything. Mm -hmm. Even when I was doing comedy for six months, I lit D.C. up. It was nothing mm. else I could do but be a hometown hero. Right. right, I was like, I'm at the top of the game. I could have got so much pussy, whatever. Like, yo, he's so funny, huh? But I was like, no, it's time for the next level. I got to go to the bottom of the next level, 
work my way up, and it's always searching for that. And that comes with getting older and wisdom. You notice it's so easy to have a good day now. Hmm. Only you, unless it's some medical shit or health shit, only you you control your day. The, mm-hmm. When you wake up, you choose how you want to live that day. You want to be pissed at the world or you want to be happy? Mm. You want to call a motherfucker that's bitching or you want to call a motherfucker that's got some ideas? Right. What you want to do? Oh. And then what do you, in this game, what do you bring to the table? And are you willing to work for it? I remember years ago when Chappelle's show was popping and everybody's like, Ashley hey, Larry this, Ashley hey, Larry this and that. I was in the airport and Ludacris, uh, I saw Ludacris in the airport and I still get kind of freaked out when I see some of these people that I admire and I look at a certain level, like connect them with me like, oh shit. I'm like, oh shit. They like, oh shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw Ludacris and I said, I said, what's up nigga? I said, I said, can a, I said, can a motherfucker get in a, a video or something? And he looked at me, he said, we looking for people with ideas. <laughs> Guess where they have an idea, nigga? <laughs> I had nothing but a, I wasn't a handout. I was yeah. like, he said, we looking for people with ideas. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> There's nothing else to talk about. But it was a lesson for me, like, yeah. don't ask somebody for something if you yeah. can't bring nothing to the table. Yeah, bring something to Why the would table. I need to just put you in the video because you asked you, Larry? Nigga, I grew up with Ashley people. Yeah. And it made me think, if I, if I, if I ever extend myself to anybody, I'm going to have what, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this idea, let's go. And if that don't work, I'll keep it moving. Yeah. Well, they putting you in the new movie uh, coming out, uh, Winning Time. Talk, talk Yo, about that. You know, the man, making when of the Lakers dynasty. Di- this is what I was telling you. I was like, you said how you doing? I was like, yo, nigga, I'm like, nigga, it is on fire right now. Who you playing, James Worthy? I play, uh, I play Magic, ill attempt of being funny. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, <laughs> really? I hit him with a. <laughs> but um, the winner. T- going back to it, the reason why I feel so blessed, I feel like uh, everything I've been working for started to come together since the pandemic. I did um, I voiced uh, Des the Barber in Disney Pixar's movie um, Soul, which won an Oscar. I had a, uh, a couple of cameo episodes on BET's Twenty. I did BMF, which is like an underground, like street hit. Yeah, that's and the, uh, the Fifty Cent series, right? Nobody want to see that, man. You, you played a, you played a, you, you played a creepy mortician. Some people said that was my in, life. In the B. Somebody <laughs> said that was my life. It was so funny. That was another example, and I was so lucky with that because Tasha Smith, who directed uh, like uh, the the, she directed the um. The pilot and like maybe four or five episodes, she called me. This has been the story of my life in acting. For the most part, I don't book stuff off of auditions. People that say, yo, I want him. I want to work with him. And she called me one day. She said, month, and I, I got a missed call from her, right? And then she she go hard. Tasha goes hard. She said, when I found it, she said, nigga, when I call, you answer the motherfucking phone. Because, you know, certain people, when they call, you know it's some good shit, mm-hmm. right? And um, she put me on. She put me in um, BMF as that role, and it was hopefully, like, it's got a new season. I heard some talk that they're going to probably try to stretch the character out and do more. So it's just be another opportunity for me to play make-believe. Right. But the winning team, Dude. HBO Project, it's, uh, it's a story about Magic Johnson in the, in the 80s and how fucking epic the run was. Yeah. And I play his father's um, good friend that works at the plant with him. Myself uh, and Earthquake is in it too. Me and Earthquake are working together. We like good friends. All we do is fuck with each other on it. But 
it's an it's an uh, another thing Eric for me. Quick. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be dope. Yeah, I've been getting some. Uh, I just feel like you know you've been doing something for a long time, and then you people around you start getting excited, and they think everything is a surprise. Like, oh man, what happened? I can't believe. It. Yes, I believe it. This twenty seven years, this twenty seven <laughs> years <laughs> of nonstop. When it's always something new coming out. You know where we are, older guys. You know this word. I can't stand with these motherfuckers. Like relevant. You are you relevant, motherfucker? I'm Donnell Rollins. You know what I'm saying? I'm who I am. I don't have to be the hottest motherfucker. And I was like, you want to talk about relevance? Try doing something for 30 years and still be able to maintain a lifestyle doing it. And motherfuckers, you, you, motherfucker. We, we was talking about yesterday. I said the, the dopest thing I like about the podcast, the podcast world, and it's so unfortunate in hip hop because we don't want our legends to get older. You know what I'm saying? We don't want them to grow. You know, like, you got those rock bands and shit. You see these motherfuckers when they barely had no hair to gray and they support them. In hip-hop, they don't do that. And, 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 like and what, Yeah, <laughs> they have a wheelchair and everything. <laughs> but in hip-hop, it's like, uh, yeah, that person was hot then, whatever. But, and I, I was telling you yesterday, in your case, yeah. I was like, this is such a great platform for you because you are, you are a legend. You guys are legends. You have stories. You have stories that can't just die with you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And this platform gives an opportunity for to see, you know, what this history is. Like, it did it for Joe Buttons, Noriega. I, I love when I see motherfuckers I grew up with, like this, all right, motherfucker. Yes, we can still make music. Yes, but after a while you get into it like, okay, what am I getting out of this music now? Right? You get to the point like this, we all done got pussy off of fame. But you was like this after a while. You like, yeah, I want that uh, money to be even. I came over to Haku. I didn't even know it was a Haku. Somebody told me years ago. I said, fame without fortune is like a bitch having an abortion. Baby, you never made it. <laughs> Damn. Huh. Simple. That's heavy. Yeah. You know. That's heavy, heavy, heavy. That's a mic drop. I've dropped the, the mic. Fuck the fame. I want the dough. Cause when times get drastic, you can't take a fucking ego to the bank and cash it. I'm not impressed with your big house and fancy whip. If you can't pay cash, you can't afford the shit. What they say? Say less. <laughs> like, say less. What else you say? And that's it. Well, I, well, look, man. You can come on here, man, and say more anytime you want to. Man, man. I had a good time. I, I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you uh, decided. Not to go with the strategy you had last night. <laughs> I'm glad you probably call all your family family members, including your son, and you probably <laughs> what you what the chances? <laughs> I know you was like, you think I should do it? What's the chance? All right, what you think you gonna hit me with? All right, so what I'm counter with? I know you had a game plan. Mm. I know you had a game plan. I did not have a game plan. <laughs> no, nah, but yeah. I appreciate um I appreciate the interview. Appreciate a, a legitimate interview. Where you can just talk talk to a motherfucker and get the norm away from the stupid shit. It was a good time. Absolutely, yeah, no, man. That, that, Absolutely. That's, that's a really good friend of mine. Yeah. And, and, and um, we talk, you know, as much as we want to talk to each other, we have we, we have each other's number. And when I was down, you know, I would always get a funny ass phone call from him, dog. And I'd be like, dog, please don't make me laugh, dog. Right. I couldn't do please it. Please don't make me laugh, dog. <laughs> One of my friends, one of my good friends, 40, right? He got shot years ago, right? And I can't help it, so I went to go see him. I had to go see my man, right? 
he had this staples in this shit, son. And he was like this. He was in that motherfucker like this, son. He was like this. Don't do a stop less, stop less, stop less. He was like, oh, stop, don't let me laugh. Stop laughing, stop playing. But I'm telling you, man, me being here, me meeting y'all and knowing, like, like just knowing that I know y'all motherfuckers, I'm telling you, man, for, yo, I get so much credit, like, with the people I grew up because, man, y'all motherfuckers, I grew up in the D.C. area, right? D.C. fucked with y'all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no child. No fucked child. with y'all hard by You probably was, like, first motherfucker you used to go with go-go bands and shit. Mm-hmm. They said, we fuck with that nigga Scarface. I was like, fuck that nigga. <laughs> I never said it always. I'm proud to say that I, I know y'all are positive, positive, positive man, people in my life. Man, much love yeah. to you, man. We need to go get some more chicken, though. Where'd y'all you going to stop disrespecting from? that kidney, son. Where'd y'all get chicken You going to stop disrespecting... Yeah. Come on, son. Stop disrespecting the kidneys, son. No, I can have some pop. I mean, some No, Popeye you can't. Frenchies? No. All right, well, I'm done with chicken. I mean, I go back on my diet. Nah, we ain't doing it. I told you, we're going to have a security nigga just go you see how come you to my, for... you should, you should come to my restaurant, man, get some seafood. Oh, oh nigga, that's what I want. Where your restaurant? The, the station. Uh, we got We're going to have to drive. We're like 30 minutes away. What? Um, Do I, what's, I got to get ready. I, I'm feeding for some for some seafood. Hey, let's, yeah. let, let's meet what tomorrow. It's time for you to go because yeah. you're you going to fire. You're so disrespectful. You ain't had to say it like that. Not you like get, that. No, you no, you look me. You said it's. You said it like get the fuck out of here. No, it's no, it's good, Where bro. Where this energy from, sir? I don't have no energy. I want to go, man. We can go tomorrow. Yeah, let's. Come on, man. You ain't doing nothing. Man. Come on, roll. Lunch too far. Yeah, Max, it's yeah. three o'clock. It's three o'clock. What time your first show? At seven. This oh. is getting to my. No, you got time. And you hungry rich. right now? I am hungry right now, and I've been feeding some seafood. But we're gonna get some seafood. Let's go. I gotta go get ready for the show. I, I ain't going. Okay, so we, so we, go we wanna go tomorrow. One hundred percent tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. Let's for do lunch. tomorrow. One thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, let's do about one. One o'clock is good for is me. Is it like indoor dining and everything? Oh uh, yeah. How many seats? He ain't got no roof you on good? it. I got crew of people. We good? Like ten or twelve people. We good? He ain't oh man, got no gotta... roof though. And so if it's cold tomorrow and rainy, we're fucked. We got he got food. We improvise. We we, we eat outside. <laughs> I want to. You know, he's just making shit up. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how can how can how can people get in contact with you though? You know, Donnell Rollins uh, at Donnell Rollins. Everything. I'm Googleable now, nigga. Googleable. Yes, you put Donnell Rollins. <laughs> you gonna get, get a lot of TMZ hits, buddy. You know what I'm saying just <laughs> just sift through that shit, and get you the funny stuff. Donnell Rollins uh-huh. show. That's it, fam. Much love, This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. 
get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.